Welcome to Business Magic with Maggie Gila, making your business feel and work like magic for you and those you want to impact. Turns out you don't need a wand, you need a strategy. Today's conversation is with my really good friend, Kay Fabella, who is a diversity and inclusion expert. And it is a conversation we need to be having more of. I really like Kay's very gentle, very research-based approach to diversity and inclusion. So if you are thinking of how can I bring more diverse stories to what I do, how can I be more of an advocate and an ally? How can I bring a richer background and story to what I do, then this is a really good episode to chat about. You might not know this about me, but I grew up as a minority in Singapore. I was the one white girl in my entire high school. And you'll hear more about how that experience shaped me and my approach to this topic as well. And what I really love about what Kay says is there's always something you can do, no matter how small you may think your platform is. And Kay gives some examples of really easy ways you can approach this. Stories equals visibility equals diversity equals equality. And it's Kay's mission to amplify the voices of underrepresented leaders to build a more inclusive world. Kay Fabella launched her business as a story finder in 2014 and created bilingual English Spanish brand that quickly reached an audience in 27 countries. She was featured in Fast Company, Thrive Global, Huffington Post, and in El Vice. She leveraged her experience as a Filipina-American entrepreneur in Spain to show startups to Fortune 500 companies had a 400 times their visibility through the power of storytelling. And she now works with businesses to make their messaging more inclusive to foster relationships with diverse audiences. Hope you enjoy. All right. I am here with my very good friend, Kay Fabella, who is a diversity expert. <laughs> and she's got a fascinating story. She's pivoted in a really interesting way. And I love her very warm-hearted and research-based approach to diversity and inclusion. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Kay, for anyone who doesn't know you, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us where you are um, and how you got there? Ooh, how long do you got, Maggie? <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm honored to be here. And, and yeah, I got started in this work with diversity and inclusion. I would say I kind of came to this work naturally, even if I didn't know that I, that is what it was called at the time. I think being somebody from California, but of immigrant parents. So my parents are from the Philippines. I grew up in LA. I, even though I, you know, grew up in one of the most diverse parts of the country, I didn't really see many faces like mine reflected back to me in any of the media that I consumed or any of the content that I read growing up. And I think I realized very early on this idea of otherness, again, a term I didn't know that I had or was aware of, because when you have a non-European looking face, no matter where you are in the world, you will always get the famous second question. The first being, where are you from? And the second, where are you really from? And I remember when I was seven or eight, I kind of had this crossroads moment, right? So I could either, you know, kind of clench my fists and get defensive every time. And that would have meant that my fist would have been like this for the rest of my life. <laughs> or I could open my hands and share my story in the process. And so I realized that the latter option actually opened me up to more conversations, more possibilities for connection. And as my kind of windy road of life took me to Spain, where we're now 
base where I'm now based recording this podcast with you today. It's something that has continually surprised me, the importance of story for connection, the importance of story for, you know, getting people to immediately empathize and relate somebody else's experience to their own and removing the otherness in the process. And so how I originally started my business, it was really working with mostly women from, you know, different backgrounds from, you know, obviously being an English speaker in the US and the UK and around the world, but also here in Spain. And all of it was around how do we tell your story? How do we put you out there? How do we make you more visible in a way that actually connects with your audience in the process? And I realized over time, as I stayed in the online space, that a lot of the stories that were more, we'll say, complicated and more layered were the ones from women who were not necessarily of a European-looking face or a European-looking background. And that meant that they had more, I think, to kind of put out there. They more they had more that they had to struggle against. And even if you just look at the numbers, there was this amazing report that came out at the end of 2018 from American Express talking about how women of color are actually starting more businesses in the U.S. than any other group. But they are also earning on average $150,000 less than their white counterparts, which is just staggering. Wow. Right. And so there is a massive gap there. And then, of course, the part of me that I know I've been talking a lot about story, but the numbers part of me was like, well, why? And and I realized that, you know, there's a lot of things when you are going through, you know, systemic issues, when you're going through, you know, racial issues and you're going through if you are an immigrant. I mean, it's almost like the way that I talk about it is you just have more headwinds than tailwinds pushing you forward. And the more headwinds you have, the more you have to fight to put your message out there, the more that you have to fight to, you know, pitch your business to VCs who are already less likely to invest in women-owned business anyway, You, the more, the more trouble that you have getting loans. I mean, there's so many things that are going against you that you have to work harder with. And so I kind of naturally found my way into diversity and inclusion simply because I got curious about, well, why, why is there such a massive gap? And so mm-hmm. my my business has really taken just kind of a nice parallel to what I'm doing in, in my own personal journey in terms of how do I want to show up as a leader? How do I want to show up as a woman of color myself, as an immigrant myself? How do I want to not just put my message out there, but also amplify the platforms of other women who really will make a change for all of their, you know, all the people who come after them from their respective underrepresented groups and really just, I think, equal the playing, uh, make the playing field more equal in a way that I don't think it has been up until now. Is that, do you think that's true for the online business space as well? I would say so. Yeah. I think I was, you know, I'm in such a strange position like yourself, because I know you and I both grew up not where we are now, (laughs) (laughs) which we'll definitely dive into, I'm sure later. But I realized because what, as somebody who is a curious learner, who wanted you know, who is always looking for ways to supplement what I'm doing in my business with knowledge, with expertise, with people who I look up to. I immediately looked for coaches and courses and things where I could make myself a better business owner, a better leader. And almost all the things that I saw or that I at least was targeted with online, at least initially came from the US, which I was like, great, cool. They speak my language, (laughs) one less barrier. And then the second thing that I realized, and actually I was kind of ashamed that I didn't realize it sooner, was that every single person that I was consuming content from 
was a white cisgender woman, most likely North American, with a few exceptions here and there. But almost everything came from that lens and that filter. And I was very just struck by that realization because I didn't even know in my own head, and I've shared this on my blog as recently as last year or two years ago now, that I couldn't even think in my own head who I knew who was a woman of color in the online space. And not because I don't know talented women of color, but just with that same level of reach and platform or, you know, courses that we hear about or people that we see. And that was also something that was very striking for me and very humbling. And why is that important? To me, what I found in the process of helping, you know, hundreds of people now find their stories and put them out there is that we can't be what we can't see. And seeing that as, for example, like I give so much credit to all of the women in the online space, yourself included, that I've seen who have broken barriers, who have redefined what it means to be a business owner, a leader, you know, a community builder, because we've expanded the possibility of what it means to be a woman and that you can earn an income and make an impact in a much bigger way than what has been defined for you up until now. That's massive. So imagine mm -hmm. what it then looks like for a woman of color who doesn't have, we'll say, the thicker history book of role models to aspire to or, you know, models of business that she can base her own on. And I think that the more that we give people a platform who have come from these groups that are not traditionally seen or not traditionally recognized, it's not just the fact that I think it's just being a good human. I think it's also that we don't realize the the ripple effect of how that then kind of shapes the identity of anybody from those groups who then see like, oh, that's someone who looks like me. Oh, that's someone who lives like me. Oh, that's someone who, you know, loves like me. That really, really makes, I think really just expands the the vocabulary and possibility for all of us as women. I love that. Thank you so much for that very thorough explanation. I think that sets the stage really nicely for the rest of our conversation. And, and something like with the role models, like even if you're looking at it just from a business model perspective, like rem like imagine the f remember the first time you found someone's business model and you went, oh, that's what I want, right? So it's kind of the same principle. And I have like a, a yeah, I, I still find it like tricky to talk about this for myself, but like I have a, 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 I guess I have my own diversity story because I, and I had to laugh when you were talking about where are you really from? I get that question all the time. No matter what I respond, I always get the question, but where are your parents from? Or where are you really from? And you don't look like what you say you are. So for anyone who doesn't know, I um, I was born in the Czech Republic in Prague. We left when I was three. We moved to the U.S., Salt Lake City, Chicago, and San Francisco. So I was three years old. That's where I learned to speak English, thus the accent. <laughs> Um, but then when I was nine, we moved to Singapore and my parents decided to put me through the local school system. And I was the one white girl in my entire school for, you know, pretty much 13 years. And I'm, I'm definitely aware of the privilege I had of, for example, being white and blonde over being a woman of color, because I know that even in Singapore, I, we were seen differently because we were white, but there was still a lot of, oh, a lot of prejudice or opinions about like, oh, you're, you're blonde there. Therefore you must be a bimbo. Therefore you must be a slut. Like, yeah. Um, a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of things that happened there. Um, and when I moved to, to back to Europe, I'm, I'm, I got a one-way ticket to Amsterdam when I was 20, I had zero connection with Amsterdam. And again, it's, it's a bit weird here because with how I look, I 
I can pass for Dutch. I'm, I'm definitely way too short. <laughs> like I'm way shorter than the average Dutch woman, but like I, I look neutral enough to, to be Dutch. So um, it's hard to answer like, where are you from? Because it's like, well, I mean, I would consider myself, I'm from Singapore because that's where I grew up. That's where I spent my formative years, but I sound sort of American and I look like, <laughs> you know, white and blonde. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like, are you really from Singapore? I'm like, well, not really. Oh, so you're Czech. And if I say I'm Czech, it's also, I've never lived in that country. I'm fluent in Czech, but to me, English is my first language. And I've even with being Czech and Eastern European, I've had some like horrible things said to me because of yeah. the stereotypes of, you know, Eastern European women, women, yeah. um, especially, you know, living and being married to <laughs> a Dutch guy who's seven years older than me. There's a lot of stereotypes there as well. So that's kind of like more of a background for anyone who doesn't know me that well yet. Welcome. Now you know my life story. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, but it's, 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 um, I've always found it like really tricky then to have this conversation about diversity in online business, given my personal diversity story, having like literally you look across the, the high school canteen and you can pick me out by my hair. And which made it really hard to hide from teachers when I owed them homework, which was like all the time. <laughs> um, but then you have this conversation uh, with the online space where like one common thing I see is when you look at a summit, for example, and I always like, I, I scan the summit lineup and I'm like, listen, why is everyone like in their thirties, female and blonde? Like, although that's what I am as well. I'm like, I, I think that's an indicator to only a, having a certain type of story, only a certain type of perspective. So for me, like obviously the giving people a platform is extremely important, but if you look at it from another perspective, it's also like, I want to hear different opinions from people of various backgrounds. And that's going to make my life and business and knowledge that much richer. I 100% agree. And and yeah, as somebody who also sees a lot of the same summit lineups that you do, it was something that really struck me. And like I said earlier, I didn't, you know, I didn't come to this work. I mean, within what each of us has in terms of a diversity story, all of us have different levels of privilege, right? So for me, for example, because my face is not just non-European, but also kind of confusing, like... <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like you will see my photo on this podcast when you, when you check out my website, you guys, I promise it's, it's something that, you know, because my face was confusing enough, at least in a place like the U S growing up in LA, then moving to the East coast and being in these bigger cities, I could just kind of pass for in some cases, even as white. Right. And I didn't actually experience any racism or outright discrimination really till I moved to Spain, which I was kind of struck by. And I've been now, I've been here now for 10 years um, because apparently I'm just Chinese, which is, you know, <laughs> which is not super convenient, especially given the time that we're recording this podcast. But with that said, no comment. I know no comment, <laughs> but I think that it, it's something that all of us, I love that you shared your diversity story and I feel like all of us have it. I think that one of the reasons why this conversation is so hard to broach is because even amongst ourselves, we are trying to filter who, who is considered diverse and who is considered, you know, woke enough for lack of a better term or who has suffered the most, which is another one. I call it the oppression Olympics, right? Like it's almost like, certain people are allowed to have this conversation around diversity and inclusion 
simply because their lived experience is harder. And I think rather than approaching it that way, which even for someone like me, I didn't find my voice around diversity and inclusion with other women of color. If I'm going to be absolutely honest with you, I found it with who was accessible to me. And that was women like yourself, white, cisgender, you know, women who are based in Europe or in the US who held space for me and were willing to engage in the conversations with me in a thoughtful way. And that's the reason why I think that the diversity conversation is such a sensitive one, but it can be approached, I think, in a completely different way, which starts from, well, what in my lived experience has made me feel like I'm an other? What in my lived experience has proved to me that I have some level of bias or some level of privilege? How can I address the bias? You're not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your second thought and your first action. So sit with that, right? And then what privileges do I have that allow me to, in my own way, in a sustainable way, as women with platforms, as women who have access to audiences that depend on us, that look to us for guidance and leadership, what can I do in my own way to kind of extend my hand behind me and make a difference for women who don't have that opportunity because they don't have the privileges that I do. And I think if we start from that place, it's a much more inclusive conversation and hopefully a much more productive one. Yeah, I really love that. Like we've had this conversation privately many times because of my background. It's something that's really important to me to make because I grew up feeling alone. Like I grew up feeling constantly until I discovered theater when I was 17 and like found other weirdos like me. I was like... like by myself reading a book my entire high school school life and with with what you know just like a practical example starting this podcast I had kind of like my list of people who kind of came to me like who came top of mind as potential guests and I was looking at that list I'm like I'm not super happy with what this lineup looks like it's it's okay but I don't want it to be you know mostly people who look like me Mm. I don't think that's really okay. And that's not the kind of, that's not how I want things to, to, to be like. And if I look at other, you know, summits or other podcasts, I want to see people of different backgrounds. And again, this is not to me necessarily a racial thing. It's just, I want to hear different opinions and, and voices and stories. Mm -hmm. So let's have that conversation. Like how can someone with a platform, any, any level of platform, like, I don't care if you you can have 10 email subscribers, you still have a platform, right? (laughs) We all start somewhere. So don't wait until you have your YouTube channel or your book or whatever to to start thinking about this, right? So how can someone, an online business owner with any kind of platform do that and extend a hand behind them to whoever needs that hand up? I love that you uh, framed that question that way. I think that one first thought, coming back to what you said, I think it's important that you had that awareness and it's something I commend you for and wish more people had. And I think the going from a place of unawareness to awareness is a thing that all of us should should be striving for on our own. And how we do that, I mean, this podcast is a perfect example. We're able to listen in on stories that we wouldn't have had access to otherwise through mediums like this one. So educate yourself. If you know from either lived experience or the fact that you just know, hopefully, a couple of things living, leaving this podcast, that there is inequality, there is inequity, there is some lack of representation in the online space that you currently see and you want things to be different, explore that. And I think this is the fir- this is the first step that each person can with their platform do is educate themselves, do it on your own time, do it internally, journal on it, have private conversations like the ones that Maggie and I had and really sit with, you know, what do, 
how do I inform myself enough to know that I can do something about it when I'm ready? And I think that's the key thing is when you're ready, because I think that, you know, I know this is something that you absolutely agree with as well, Maggie, there's already so much that we're doing as business owners that we don't want to burn out already with what we have on our plate. But then on top of that, you don't want to burn out for being called out for getting it wrong as you're educating yourself in this process of trying to be more inclusive or trying to advocate for more diversity in the online space across the spectrum, right? So first educate yourself. And I think that's something that you can absolutely do through mediums like this one on your own time. You can listen to my podcast, Inclusion and Progress. And I know I'm trying to share stories there as much for minority professionals as I am for allies who want to you know, join the cause. So you can do that and be willing to be humble in this process of education. It's something that I'm constantly learning. I know my Generation Z niece is constantly educating me on things like non-binary gender. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, you have to be humbled. You have to be willing to approach things, which I think a lot of people who are in the online space innately want to do better and want to learn how to be better. And so do that as well. And even if it means confronting some ugly truths, like for example, the fact that the feminist movement, even in the U S which is touted as kind of the harbinger of everything that was, you know, women's equality, those same women made black women stand in the back of their parades, right? You're going to find things like that. And they're going to shock you. They're going to outrage you. They're going to make you cry. They're going to break your heart, which is why I say you have to educate yourself internally first, before you decide what you want to do about it when you're ready. When you are ready, when you feel like you're aware enough, also be gentle with yourself. You don't necessarily have to have all of the right vocabulary. You don't have to know all the right things to be somebody who's trying to be inclusive. And then for you, decide what it is that you are capable of doing. Whether you have, you know, when you, whether you want to take this new newfound awareness of wanting to be more inclusive, wanting to be, wanting to advocate for more representation in the online space, whatever your decision is. You can do it with your internal community first. You can kind of start with your inner circle of biz besties or mentors or people that you know, engage with them in the conversation, then kind of expand to your community and see how you can facilitate the conversation. Ask people who are of those lived experiences and backgrounds how to inform you, give them a space to share any grievances or any sort of things that they're experiencing and especially their stories with you, because those are very enlightening. And everyone's lived experience really does, like I said earlier, expand your definition of what's possible and informs you on how you can be better. And then you get to decide, do you want to be an outright advocate? Do you want to start putting it out in your content? Do you want to be the person who, you know, I had this conversation with someone recently. They said, I didn't want to apply for podcasts as a guest because I saw that the lineup was all white cisgender women. And I didn't want to apply. I was like, okay, first of all, thank you for mm-hmm. asking me what you could do better. Second, the fact that you're not applying as somebody who is willing to have this conversation, I think is a disservice to you and the potential audience that you would be reaching by being on this podcast. And third, one of the things that you can do that doesn't have to be like, you know, doing this for brownie points or like touting my flag that I am inclusive is just say at the end of your application, hey, by the way, I noticed that there is more that you could potentially do in terms of recruiting other perspectives. Here are a couple of people that I know that I can vouch for and put their names forward. Yeah, And so you can do that. Those are all things that you can do sustainably that don't have to require you necessarily touting your flag or putting yourself out there for 
unnecessary criticism that you may not be ready for, you know, people who will call you out because everybody has feedback um, in the online space and which is why this conversation is not advancing forward the way it should be. But I think that those are good starting points for now. And of course, if you want to engage in the conversation in a more meaningful way, I'm happy to have that conversation with you. Yeah, I do want to say I really love your approach. Um, I we've had like conversations around this many times. I think the last couple of uh, last year or so, and your approach is very non-judgmental and very educational. I found like in a very it's very research based. It's very factual, but still very gentle. So I really appreciate that about you because I think for for a lot of people, this is a, a very tricky conversation. It's a very tricky even topic to to broach with anyone, especially if like you know, like I said with the podcast, like, how do you even start doing that? So that's like, I think another great um, discussion point here. Um, I've heard this conversation many times with, for example, in corporate for like quota on women or quota on people of color. Um, and then people saying like, well, why would you have, you have to have 30%, 50% women when you should be picking the most qualified people. So even if you're not looking to like set a, you know, a boardroom together, but how can you do that? If you're looking at, you know, I don't know, you have a coaching program and you want to bring on coaches or you're building a team are you looking for guests for a summit, for a podcast, for a YouTube series or whatever? How do you kind of balance that yourself? What are some things to, to be cautious of, to balance out getting people who you believe are qualified, mm-hmm. but also not getting stuck in that, you know, straight, white, cisgender, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and going outside of your own network and, and getting more diverse stories in there? So I think intention is huge in all of this. I know this is something like you said that we have, we have talked about for a while, especially in preparation for your podcast. I think the intention of, do I want to just fill a quote unquote quota is, is already a bad place to start. And it will show, (laughs) it will show in, because I don't know, I think that as the online space has gotten more complex and has started to welcome more people, people just become smarter in general. So that will translate in your content, if you're, you know, recording a podcast or if you're putting them in the summit simply because you just wanted to put them there. I always say that diversity and inclusion are thrown together often, but they're very different concepts. Diversity is probably the more metric idea, like the quota idea, which if companies and, you know, anyone who's organizing a summit who stopped would stop just there without the inclusion piece, it's like saying you have an invite to join the party. Inclusion is, well, I'm inviting you to actually dance and participate and add your voice to the conversation. So when you are trying to say, make your lineup more diverse or even, you know, give a voice to other, to people from other backgrounds, just to be more representative and be more inclusive, ask yourself first, if this is something that you're doing because of the optics or because of the intention to really put somebody's voice forward. And if it's the latter, then definitely do so. And I can promise you it's maybe like one or two conversations away from somebody in your network, especially if most of the people in your network look like you and think like you and are from similar backgrounds like you ask them who they know that can introduce you to someone that's qualified. Yeah. And I think even just the richness of getting to expand that network will really make a big difference. And then, you know, if you are somebody who's applying for these summits or these different, you know, online gatherings or whatever it happens to be, ask why, you know, if the, if you have the opportunity to either speak to the organizer in private or reach out to them, or even better, if you have a relationship with them, ask, well, have you considered that, you know, it would be really great to have 
somebody from the differently abled community here or someone from the LGBT community here, just to add a different perspective on, on what this looks like. As recently as yesterday, there was an online summit that was being offered for business owners to talk about how to pivot in the midst of a crisis. And I said, well, I see that there's a lot of people who are here from Spain with Spanish companies that are already established. Have you considered, you know, addressing immigrants like myself who are also starting businesses here and who would also benefit from this information? And somebody reached out to me and said, actually, that's a really great question. We don't have a panel specifically on that, but definitely show up and we will make sure to answer your question. And I think it doesn't have to be massive, but it's just, have you considered this? And if you approach it from that perspective, I think it just changes the entire conversation. So I would say to summarize intention, start with your intention and then consider how you can make an impact, even if it's in a small way. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really good takeaway for everyone. Like one kind of just build your own awareness. Um, and that doesn't mean go attack like summit owners of like, oh my God, why is your summit lineup white? But saying, hey, have you considered? And here's like, you know, three people I can vouch for. Um, if, if you do have that network and if you don't have that network and you're looking to, to build your awareness and build more diverse network, then like, and I've, I do this with my podcast. I ask every guest, Hey, is there anyone like after our conversation, is there anyone else you can introduce me to who you think would be a good fit? Because at the end of the day, I don't want it to just be, Oh, Maggie and all her friends and mentors who all think alike, but I want to, to have more, more challenging, more, more rich conversations. And that's something that's really important to me. And just, that's how you grow that you have people who don't just like not along, but you can have more in-depth uh, discussions on on whatever topic. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the things you'd still like to take off in your business? Ooh, I would say I would like to finally figure out Instagram. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys try to find my Instagram, I won't be there. I will tell you this now. I quit it a year ago because apparently I'm the worst millennial ever. Um, <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, I think what I really love to do is I think I'd like to continue to continue on the path that I am on with helping more women of color step into their own confidence, step into their own power and continue to make massive waves in the online space. I think that the online space is such an amazing equalizer for opportunities for people in general, but especially for women of color who are often, whether it's through systemic or kind of whatever whatever their specific challenges are that hold them back in in their traditional in traditional roles that are are meant for meant for them and for us that really makes a difference. So I want to continue to kind of create that movement and really really create a rallying cry that helps helps more of them make a difference online. Let's dive into that more um because that was something that I found really really intriguing when we had this conversation privately when I said I was when I was exploring more of like kind of brainstorming people who I could invite for podcasts or just kind of trying to really trying to go outside of my own network. I found like such a gap because I was looking also again for diverse voices, diverse stories, like people who can give a different opinion in a conversation. And I, I kind of thought I saw this gap between women of color who are like in early stages of business and then women of color who are like in a seven figure business mark. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to find the people who were kind of in the middle who had an established business, you know, but weren't, you didn't have like a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Exactly. And that's something you talked about. Do you want to share that? Yeah, Why absolutely. That? I mean, I think a big part of it is honestly for the systemic reasons that I mentioned, I think if you look at the fact that women of color are traditionally don't have generational wealth, 
in many cases. I know if we're looking at just the U.S. and I can speak authoritatively on the U.S. because that's my background. I can't say for Europe because I'm still learning. You look at the fact that anyone who is a descendant of slaves didn't have access to land or they weren't given access to land. And that property wealth that was then built up over time that, say, for example, white counterparts had, they just didn't have access to. And so the fact that they already have have a starting point of lower income means there's already a gap in income inequality. So then when you go into something like education, the fact that they're not allowed to or don't have access to higher education institutions, that then that conditions what jobs they're allowed to have. If they manage to get a corporate job, which is something that pays them a really good salary, one, they have to work 15 million times harder to get you know, five steps alongside their white counterparts. And that's exhausting. But not only that, they're much more likely to leave because it's unsustainable for who they are. They don't necessarily have the largest networks when they leave. And then when they, if they tend to start a business or if they decide to start a business rather, it's going to be much harder for them to have access to capital from the get-go and not just capital, but also network. So you look at all of those things along the, for lack of a better term, pipeline of their road to business And you compare that to someone who is, we'll say, again, not trying to generalize here and not trying to, you know, because everything within generalizations, there's always subtleties and nuances. But say, for example, you compare them to a white middle-class woman who is probably much more likely to be promoted, is much more likely to be taken seriously. Even within companies, diversity inclusion initiatives, they look for women first and within women, white women first. They just have a larger network of people who have access to said generational wealth and therefore leave the gate if they decide to quit corporate and start a job with a network and a cushion. And that already sets a, sets a, it's a massive gap. You can't see this on the podcast, but I'm making this bad thing with my hands. And Maggie and I both talk with our hands. We'll say that. <laughs> so there's, there's so many things along the way. And hopefully in just that example, which again, I'm generalizing, I'm painting a picture as somebody who is neither white nor black, but I want to, hopefully if people are listening to this, just consider that those are the different starting points that groups of people have when you consider why there aren't as many at least visible women of color in the online space that are, you know, what we consider kind of traditionally successful because they do have to work harder from the get-go because they don't necessarily have as many privileges or access to resources as say our white counterparts do. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely fascinating. And um, there's definitely a lot more. I, I love the fact that you've been saying that there's every, there's things that we can do no matter how small our platforms are. Um, so I would love to end on one last question. Can you please issue a quest, an action step to our listeners? So what is one thing they should do this week? One thing you should do this week is challenge yourself to find someone who is of a different background or of a different experience than you to start building a relationship with or following online just to see what their different experience is because that really just opens your world of possibility for, well, this is a different lens that you're seeing the world through. And hopefully that that makes me a better leader for my followers, that makes me a better business owner, that makes me more empathetic as a human being. And I think that it just, it just makes us more connected in a way that we really need to be. I completely agree with that. Thank you so much, Kay, for your time and for your wisdom. Likewise, thank you, Maggie. Hey, hey. 
Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you never miss new episodes. And if you have a business bestie who needs to hear this message, go share this with them. See you in the next one. Love and magic, Maggie.